Two new deer hunters decide to separate to increase their chances. What if we get lost, says one of them. Fire three shots in the air every hour on the hour, says the other. I saw it on TV. Sure enough, one of the hunters gets lost, so he fires three shots up into the air every hour on the hour. The next day, the other hunter finds his friend with the help of the forest ranger. Why didn't you do what I said, asked the hunter. I did. I fired three shots up into the air every hour on the hour until I ran out of arrows. You're listening to the Smackdown Outdoors podcast. What's up, everybody? Smackdown Outdoors Podcast. I'm the host, Doug Glimmervine, just an idiot with a microphone, a camera, or multiple cameras, I guess, and a dream. Anyway, on today's episode, we talk trapping with Mr. Craig Hilburn, who is a member of the Minnesota Trappers Association. We go back a few years, so it's a pretty good show. We got some yeah, good chemistry, I guess, when it comes to the mics. He is full of information, full of stories. Um, he's a social butterfly, as he likes to say. <laughs> so anyway, if you like uh, different episodes than just fishing or, you know, deer hunting or whatever else we've talked about, um, it's kind of like uh, last week's episode with Kevin Lovegreen, something different, something, you know, new that you might uh, might not be used to hearing. So we talk all sorts of trapping and some stories, a little bit of regulations, uh, the, the how to get started in trapping. You're not just buying a trap and going out and trapping. No, there's, there's a correct way to do it. So he touches on that some too. We do have a live beaver, or we did have an actual, well, not a live beaver, but we had a real beaver that he actually uh, got that day in studio. And, of course, one thing leads to another. I wanted to get some video for it. We didn't get any video, but I did take a few pictures, which you can see on, uh, I believe, Instagram and Facebook. That's right. By the way, um, if you are on Instagram, go check us out on Instagram. Man, just Smackdown Outdoors podcast. Uh, give me a follow or a like or whatever they call it on there. I, I don't know. So yeah, head over there, head over to the Facebook page, give that a like and a share, share the podcast with everybody, you know, everybody doesn't matter if they hunt or fish, nah, just share it with them. Go, Hey, do you like different stuff to listen to? Boom. Done. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, with uh, Mr. Craig Hilburn, we have a really good time. It's a good show, good episode. And I like it a lot. So Make sure you guys, uh, like I said, the Facebook, the Instagram, YouTube, subscribe there as well because we're going to bring you more than just uh, the episodes. We're going to bring you some hunting. Turkey actually is my turkey season is this coming weekend. So hopefully I can get some footage of that. We get one on camera, um, you know, when uh, you'll be able to see that there. And then fishing, you know, we'll have fishing stuff up there anywhere from little tips to maybe some gear reviews to catching fish. Who knows? But I'm going to start putting up a lot more stuff up on the YouTube other than just the episodes. So find us everywhere. Like, subscribe, share. And, uh, yeah, do me a favor. Um, here, Facebook. Go to our Facebook page, that top pinned post. Um, it is for the fishing challenge uh, for the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. What they do is they help people get off of drugs and alcohol, save lives, all that good stuff. And I'm taking part in their fishing challenge tournament. So I'm raising money for that. If you could go to that top pin post, hit the link and donate anywhere from a dollar to a million dollars. Okay. I'll leave it up to you 
every little bit helps. Uh, let's see. Anything else I got to talk about? I don't think so. No. All right. So anyway, like, subscribe, share, donate. Let's get on with the show. We are live with a beaver in studio. Amazing. Mr. Craig, how are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. All right. We are going to be talking trapping today, which is kind of cool. We haven't done anything like it on the show. Well, you know, most of us don't just talk trapping. We dream and we have nightmares about <laughs> trapping once in a while. We proclaim as we're out walking the streets. We sometimes bring a beaver Yes, yes, there's an actual dead Just beaver kind of the way it in is. the studio today. Beaver on the brain. <laughs> uh, we will be posting pictures and probably doing some video of them later. So if you're listening to this, uh, please check out the video uh, version of this at some point because there's literally a dead beaver laying on the floor. Don't tell my wife. Yes. Um, <laughs> But let's get... Uh, let's is she, she going to be angry when she finds out? We, we're just not going to tell oh, her. She's not going to find out. No, as long as it's not like dripping anything on the carpet. Right, yeah, we're good. That's we're all good. I, that's all I it's care about. It's a clean beaver. Right. We are good. It's a clean beaver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right on. It's ready for skinning. <laughs> Perfect. All right, let's head over and do a Minnesota Master Angler Award brought to you by the Minnesota Fishing Museum and Hall of Fame in Little Falls. And today, I picked a weird fish because I figured we're already doing trapping. That's, a, that's something weird we haven't done yet. And we've got Minnesota Master Angler Andy Anderson, who did on September 15th, 2007, caught and released by Sport Fishing Method from Minnesota Waters, a 37-inch American eel, and is hereby recognized as an official Minnesota Master Angler. He is from Rochester, and he caught it on the St. Croix River in Washington County. 37 inches, he did release it, and his witness was Tyler Holm. I had no idea that we had eels. I didn't either. I mean, it's a river. Who knows what's in it? Right. I didn't have a clue. It's all connected to the ocean, right? Apparently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's where the Mississippi goes. Well, well the th- St. Croix and the There's Mississippi. one thing there. That, first of all, congratulations. Yeah. I, I think, right? No. Seriously. Yeah, congratulations. Knuckle yes, bumps. yes, yes. Uh, so first of all, I've never caught an eel in any of my traps. You would think you would, yeah. You would think we would. Eventually. Because we're inhabiting, I would think, where eels would... I don't know. Would live. Plenty of uh, northern pike over the years. <laughs> I'm, I might have been witness to one of those when we went out that one time. <laughs> that was right. kind of funny. I'm like, oh, look, there's a pike. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Yummy. Yeah. So, yeah, so 37-inch uh, American eel. Cool. Way cool. That is that's crazy. I Yeah, I wish there was an actual, like, catch story. Um, hmm. they do catch stories. Sometimes they'll tell, you know, what happened and whatnot. There's no one, none on hmm. this. So I wonder if they have teeth or is it more like a mouth, like a salamander? I don't know. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'll well, that to... would be more like a moray eel. I would think if they would have teeth. Well, so. but yeah. who knows? Hmm. I don't know. While I have teeth. Well, if we get around so. to it after we're done talking trapping, maybe we'll hmm. Google that and see. Right. So, yeah. So congratulations, Andy Anderson on your very weird but probably the coolest Master Angler Award Very that there cool. is. Yes. Awesome. All right. So let's head over and do a little bit of news of the week. Um, Upper Red Lake walleye regulations. We're going to make this quick. You can take four fish, but only one can be t- been, can be over 20 inches. They changed it from 17. Uh, you can have four under or three under and one over 20 inches. So there you go. And that's for the open water season. 
And more weird news. Commercial fisherman captures invasive silver carp in the St. Croix River. No, this is not a replay of, uh, what, a year or two ago when they got one of those? This is this year as well. Uh, they got one out of hundreds of fish, they said. Uh, it was a kind of a big one, 26 and a quarter inch male weighing seven pounds. So that's not good. So probably sexually mature and able to make babies. Probably. Mm. But they didn't catch his girlfriend. She's, mm. she's sneaky. Right. She's still out there. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows if there's more. I'm not going to read the whole thing because, yeah. So that's not good. Hopefully now, they go away. Quick question. Is that, is, that, is that the carp that jumps up out of the Correct. water? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's, that's not And actually, good. I commend them from, for saying silver carp because everybody says, oh, it's the Asian carp. Well, mm. there's multiple kinds of Asian carp and they don't all jump. Mm. So the silver carps are the ones that jump. Interesting. So the big head? The big head's just a big one that just floats around. Mm. Those, those get big, too. So if those things were jumping. Mm. Right. <laughs> like they're Big fish. I've seen the internet videos. It's yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. No, the silver carp. They're not. That's mm. not good. It'll knock you mm. out. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Craig, you are. Are you? You're still president of the uh, Minnesota Trapping Association. No, I. I am not an officer. I refuse to get that politically involved I you, with well, the Minnesota Trappers. I thought Association. you were at one point. No. I know that would be my trapline partner, Greg. Oh, so once this entire a, time I've had you mixed up with Once Greg. upon a time, he was the president of the Minnesota Trappers Association. Oh, okay. Many right. moons ago. So, um, all right, well, I guess. So, we'll so just, that's close. Yeah. You were close. You were this close. That close. One step. It's like the, what, the whole Kevin Bacon thing. Right. Separation, like six separations or whatever Six it is. degrees of yeah. separation, I believe, is what he said. So we're. One degree, you're, you'd be one degree one, of separation? Separa- uh, maybe separation. half a degree. Half a degree? Well, you guys hang out so much. Yeah, you know, I can't get rid of him and and he can't get rid of me. I think that's, that's more, that works. <laughs> that's more along the lines, yeah. So anyway, all right, so you're not, you're not in the association as far as on the board or anything like that. Correct. I'm not a voting, I'm a voting member, but I am not a decision-making uh, member of the you know, we've got the different different districts, and then each district has got a supervisor and a like an assistant supervisor, uh, and then they they handle the vote that way, and then of course the president, vice president, oversee, and then go to the DNR and say, hey, the majority of the trapping community and the Minnesota Trappers Association would like this rule change. What do you think? And then it either gets thumbs up or thumbs down. Okay. It's kind of how it works in a nutshell is what I've been led to believe. And, of course, you know, then there's always the infighting. You know, there's nothing like a bunch of trappers that get together and try to have forward momentum when there's such heated topics. Right now, the big one is reciprocity. Do we uh, want non-resident trappers to come into Minnesota and uh, be able to sell them a trapping license? Is that allowed now? I'm sorry, what's that? Is, is it allowed now? The no, it is not. Okay. And so one of the issues is, as the kids grow and get older and they move away or maybe go to college, then coming home for Christmas vacation, they can't trap legally with dad. So mm. that's kind of a bad deal there. And then the other side of the coin is, well, okay, we don't want these honyocks and hillbillies coming up from down south and taking all of our coon and leaving the um, carcasses at the DNR approved boat landings and giving us all a bad 
bad name, right. a black eye. So, so that's kind of the roughly the two sides of that coin. Are they trying to work out anything where like a previous resident can trap or? Is it, uh, is it, is it really talk. just going to be black and white, like either yes or no? I, I think it goes according to, the, the way I understand it is it currently goes according to your driver's license okay. and your place of residence. Okay. So hmm. so keep your driver's license in Minnesota in your yeah. place of residence. Keep a phone bill over here. And then some guys are, are buying lifetime trapping licenses. At the moment, I understand that they're still honor that, but okay. there could be time in the future. You know how laws change. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. just never know. Never know what to expect. Okay. So, and so unfortunately, taking a whole group of trappers and trying to get something done with forward momentum is almost like, it's kind of like herding cats. It's, <laughs> I've never tried it. It, but... <laughs> it can be done, but you got to use shock collars and, and some catch poles and all that. Get Kind of get rough, you know? Well, yeah, so. hey, trappers are good dudes. Like, every trapper I've met is good dude, but they've all got just a little bit of quirk to them. Mm-hmm. We've all got our quirkiness. Oh, Mine yeah. is, if I may be so bold as to talk about myself, No, my quirkiness is I thoroughly enjoy set construction. I like the last minute, because I don't need to go out and scout, because we have uh, private farms that we trap, Greg and I, and my adult son, Mac. And so we know the critters are there. We know something's going to be there. So I don't have to go out ahead of time and scout. But I like the last-minute scouting just before I make the decision of exactly where to place the trap. I like that component. And then I also like the construction of the set itself. You know, then afterwards, it's like, oh, there's all this dragging of these critters back to the truck. And then you got to... You got to get them all prepared. And like the beaver here, I groomed the beaver and I, I got all the burrs out of the fur. And I, you know, we've got special combs, fur brushes and all that. And then there's all the skinning involved. And then you got to scrape all the fat and, the, and the, the flesh free from the pelt. And then you got to stretch it out on a board. You know, that's all a bunch of work. So I thoroughly enjoy, my quirkiness is, I really enjoy that last minute micro management of exactly where I'm going to put, because it's one square inch of territory. Where that's, am I going to get that animal to put his paw? That's what kills and me. a is, lot of that yeah, is up to me. You take, I mean, even 10 acres, take 10 acres, not a big plot of land, but you have to put that trap in that one three by three inch area or, you know, that one lane where it's going to walk through for like a con of bear or a snare or whatever. Um, we haven't... Technical difficulties with the uh, the mic I th- there. I might have to go out and get some some number nine wire. Yeah. <laughs> there <laughs> we go. That's the trappers. There we go. All. There we go. We're good. But yeah, it's just amazing that you can take that much area and you can get an animal to either get an animal to come to it or you know like coyotes. But you know, find that one spot where they're going to put their foot in that three by three inch square, right or circle, whatever. Yep. It's amazing. Yep. yep. And a lot of that, you know, comes with practice. And, and I've always said forever, it's, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. The human doesn't choose trapping. Trapping chooses the human. And it's difficult for us to explain it all and how it works other than to boil it down to that statement. Right, so we can introduce kids with fishing. Uh, we can introduce them to hunting. A lot of times they'll take to that. Uh, you know, there's that gene or that genetic component, and, and and I don't even think that's factual, but that's I hear that thrown out around a lot. 
in the outdoors circles, you know, and so with that, you can introduce a lot of times a kid to trapping, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to stay with it for for their lifetime. Right. Well, it's, a, it's it's hard work. It's a and lot of hard work. A lot of work. I mean, fishing, the... you grab a pole, you grab some snake, go down to the bank, whatever. Hunting, you can do it here and there. I mean, even deer hunting, you can still do it here and there. I mean, guys, you know, rifle season, mm-hmm. three weekends. Right. You can do it part time. Right. Trapping is is a whole different thing. If you don't feel whole good, thing. you still got to get out of bed. You got to put your boots on and you have to go check your traps. Legally. Legally. You have to check them. You have to check your traps. And that's something we really pound pound home to all these new trappers, you know, that let we just tell them, look, this is a serious commitment and you have to be serious in your approach. And by and large, the young people that come to us and we've had adults come to us and said, hey, I've wanted to check this out. I've always thought about it, heard about it. I've seen these pictures of all these pelts on the barn wall. And by golly, once in a while, an adult will become thoroughly engaged and be saying, hey, how did this pass me up? How did I get passed up? And we're telling, well, that's because of a lack of mentors. It's the mentorship. And so for the first time, with the Minnesota Trappers Association, as well as many, I think it's all of the state association uh, in the entire uh, United States of America here, we've got mandatory trappers education. And we certify the new trapper first with a written test that they have to go through this protocol with the written book knowledge. And then after that, they get with a guy like me, Oh, and after boy. they buy sorry, me breakfast. Sorry ahead of time, people. Right. Sorry ahead of they time. They buy me breakfast. Did I buy you breakfast or did you buy me breakfast? I think you bought it. Uh, uh, no, no, I think I bought it. So did next you? time. Oh, that's right. Cause you bought up. because there was something. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to get you in, like, in trouble with a wife or something. Because it was like. I've got this credit card. And well, then she finds out about the receipts. Or did we make your kid pay? He might have paid. He's making remember. money now, though, so I, I think he, he can step up more. Right. But anyway, let me Proud of you, keep, keep on with the uh, how do you, you become a trapper. <laughs> and so with that, once they pass phase one with their written test, then they get with a trapper for the infield training. And it's up to us then to make sure that they know how to, first of all, they're going to be safe. Let's, I mean, let's face it. You go out on the ice in Minnesota, go out too early. I've fallen through, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't go deep. I, I always know that I'm going to stay around the edges and I'm wearing chest waders at the same time. So that's a very real issue. So we need to make sure that that 12 year old boy, that 13 year old girl, they're not going to go out and accidentally get themselves in a world of hurt and not be able to make it back, mm-hmm. right? So that's for, first and foremost. And then we want them to be successful. So we show them the systems that are on the market. We show them our personal systems that we use, and we show them the proper trap to use. We make sure that they are the ones setting the trap and doing the placement so that they've internalized the curriculum. We show them all of our secrets. And, and you know, Doug, I got to tell you, back in the day, there just wasn't any sharing of information. And that was, that was sad. And, and consequently, we've got that whole past, uh, a lot of negativity through the 70s and through the 80s, where the prices were high, too many people were getting into it, and there was maybe not enough ethics, or maybe not as much ethics as there are now. And there wasn't enough sharing of information. 
right? There were some wrong size traps used. There were some wrong methods used and methods that could have been better. And so now, now, fast forward to where we're at now, all of the state associations, we've got our rendezvous and our different uh, conventions in the summertime. And we actually have, and I've, I've uh, been asked to host a few, I've put on a few demonstrations myself, where we show in a classroom setting at the convention, and the bleachers are always full. People are craving that knowledge and craving that information. So that's that's a good thing. That's pretty cool. So a lot of mm, naysayers, a lot of even pheasant hunters out with their dogs, or sometimes they'll have a negative view towards trapping. Some deer hunters, oh, I don't want them out in, in my woods inter- interfering with the hunt. So so we field all of those negative comments and attitudes quite often. And we're always quick to say, you know what? I think a lot of what you're dealing with maybe has been uh, deeply rooted in the past. And here's what we're doing now as the various associations with our education. And we're trying to get the kids involved. We're trying to get them away from the computer games. Yes. I mean, yes. the DNR, I, every year at Game Fair in Anoka, I've got the same DNR guys coming up to me and saying, hey, do you have any ideas of how to get the kids away from the video games? You know, we're trying to put together these different roundtables and the R2, or I think it's the R, R3 Council, I think it is. You know, and, and that's a serious topic. That's a serious issue. And so we always are quick to tell anybody that will listen as well, this mentorship program works. But again, the human doesn't choose trapping. Trapping chooses the human. And it's somehow deeply embedded in our DNA or in our psyche. And I, I am no research biologist. I don't study humans, I, except for I can tell you the difference between a social butterfly and a narcissist. But that's about it. <laughs> Which one are you? I'm a social butterfly, by the way. <laughs> I'm the playful otter. Are we sure? <laughs> uh, speaking of otter, I caught 12. I, it's unbelievable. I caught 12 otter this year in a week and a half, and I didn't even have to work at it. Really? We've got so many otter in the state right now. That's one of the issues that the state association does is we try to, hey, DNR, we need to take a real close look at these population densities and make some changes either up or down, like the Pine Martin you know what, uh, maybe we need to back off on the harvest of the pine marten because there's not, seems like there's maybe not quite enough. Or in the case of the otter, you know what, wow, we are overrun with otter. Now, where do you find the Crazy. otters? Oh, they're everywhere. Like metro area too? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I could take you right now and show you multiple otter toilets. Now, I know that sounds kind of weird, but yeah, what they do is they swim along the travel corridors or they are in a lake and they communicate with other family groups through a social situation where they lounge and loaf and they, it's called an otter toilet. They defecate, they urinate, spreading the scent. Uh, you'll see fish scales. They actually, uh, I think, vomit uh, portions of their stomach up as well. And so these otter toilets, it'll be just a big area that's just mowed down with all the grass. And the, they typically don't choose a cattail situation. They'll go to where the grassy area meets right at the edge of the, yep. of the cattails. And you stumble upon it, and you're not a trapper, and you've, you go, wow, what happened here? Well, that's an otter toilet. So what, okay, so where's the closest body of water that has otters in it from here? Uh, from here. I mean, how far do I have to go to possibly run into an otter? Oh, I, 
I killed two of them in one day on Lake Minnetonka off of Hard Scrabble Wait. Point. Tonk? <laughs> They're that close? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, how big are these things? Are we? Are, am I mistaking them for uh, muskrats? Yeah, if or the are they freaking the, otters? The otter will be a little bit longer than this beaver. Maybe six inches longer than a beaver. And they're more slender. They're like, a, we call them a torpedo. Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of times they can they can swim right through my square beaver traps. They yeah. can, And it's, I design it that way. I set the triggers in such a way so I can exclude the otter. Yep. They'll go right through the trap and not even fire it quite often. I can see that. Mm -hmm. But we have otters here. Yes, I'm How? the... I am the, um, I've, I've got several contracts with road authorities for eliminating beaver. I'm, yeah. I am your local beaver boy, right? We need to have, we need to have a national Ring, day. ring, ring. Hello. This is your First, local beaver boy. Yeah. We could, we could <laughs> team it up with a national day of prayer and have national tra hug your trapper day, right? Yeah, so works. kind of a two for I'm one. I'm not hugging you though. No, thank you okay. for that, by the way. The Velcro whiskers. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick to you. <laughs> but with that, um, I currently have contracts with the city of Rogers. I killed them across the road from Cabela's. A beaver or otters? Beaver. Oh, okay. They move in and make the dams and plug up the waterway. Yep. Yep. Uh, I've got the uh, Minnesota Pollution Control Agency that I service with their landfills. A beaver moves into a landfill situation. Mayday, mayday. Right, the right, warnings right. go off. I can imagine. The sirens, not good. Um, who else? Elk River, uh, Princeton, Zimmerman, um, Otsego. There's a lot in Otsego. And then, of course, Anoka County. And Anoka County runs all the way from I, – I, I hope the majority of your listeners understand geographical – They should, yeah. Minnesota. We're uh, mostly Minnesotans here, I'm, I oh, bet. Yeah, sure. Although right. I do have a, a listen in the Philippines, cool. the Saudi Arabia, what? South Africa. Yeah. I think those are like mistaken, like they clicked on it. But oh, not, no, no, sure. But I'll take it. I don't yeah, care. right. Who knows, whatever. We, we count our victories small and one at a time. I'm worldwide, baby, worldwide. Right on. I'm a and big so, deal. And so how that deal works in Minnesota <laughs> is with Anoka County, it's all flat pretty much, and it goes all the way out to Stacy. So I've got specific hot spots where the new beaver move into an area, and they just go right for the road culvert, take the vegetation, plug it, well, not very long, and it's going to wash out the asphalt. Right. And I'm telling you right now, Doug, if soccer mom cannot make it to oh, Starbucks yeah. coffee... She's on the way to practice, pissed. oh, she's pissed off. Oh yeah, because the road's flooded. Yeah. Now she's like, "Oh, look, the cute beavers." Until that happens, right? Right. Kill right, every right. one of them beaver. Yeah, that's how it works. So with that, um, there's a family group of otter living on uh, Burns Lake, and now then, really, you know where that's at, north of. Elk I know River. where now then is. I don't know Burns Lake. Okay, though. that's a whole ditch system. Okay. They travel the ditch systems going from one body of water to the next looking for food. And when they find that food source, which is schools of fish, yeah. they will stay on that food until they eat them all. Hmm. Kind of a funny story. We got time for a story? <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got two and a half hours and all I'm right. going to bed. So, <laughs> yeah, just have a beer first. Um, Probably. Yeah, where is the beer, by the way? Uh, so with that, I got a call from Laura. I, I got some Coors. You want a Coors? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take a Rocky Mountain goat piss. That's all we drunk in Kansas. <laughs> so 
Yeah, I'm not from around here. Uh, so Lorelai calls me from the, uh, Game Fair a couple years ago and says, hey, get out here and take care of these coyote, would you please? And the, there's a, some gray fox. And having all these dogs out here at this kennel, it's not good to be interrupting customers' dogs with the coyotes yipping and howling at night. So I'm like, okay, I'll get on it. So a couple months later when the season started, we rolled through there. And, of course, they've got those uh, paths all the way through the property. Yep. And we rounded the corner. You know, we just <laughs> trappers show up and make themselves at home with permission. Right. So we're driving across the property there on the paths. And at the same time, we all see we all see the otter out in the pond. And I, <laughs> my heart leaps for joy. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's one way to get a trapper excited. So I'm like, oh, cool. I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I got a... Yeah, I got a 660 in the truck and two 330s. We're golden. Well, then all of a sudden it dawned on me, wait a minute. Lorelai used the word coyote, and she used the term gray fox. She didn't say anything about the otter. So I texted her, and she was out of the state. Her and Chuck were down in Texas, I think, on a pig hunt. And so I texted her, hey, there's an otter. What do you think? Uh, you can I take it too? I always ask for permission, right? Because right. in a world of trapping, you do not ask for permission later. You ask for permission first. It's not mm-hmm. like being married, Doug. It's not like a marriage. Like you buying that boat I sign out in the drive. <laughs> I just had to do a lot of persuasion. <laughs> right. I didn't buy it and then ask for, for, for forgiveness. I just had really had to persuade before I could buy it. <laughs> you know. Oh, I don't want to hear it. I'm not letting her listen to this one <laughs> or know anything about this one. Right. Hey, honey, there's a beaver in the house. Right. <laughs> She's going to freak out Mayday. when she sees the pictures Mayday. on Facebook. Right. Oh, Lord. So, Did you but, have a beaver? Was that, was that a real beaver? It's dry. No, it wasn't. It was fake. It's nice and I clean. Promise. I brushed it out. And so with that, she texted back. I'm, I mean, my gosh, it wasn't even three, three and a half minutes, you know. She texted back, if you so much as harm one hair on the head of Fred oh, the Otter, I will oh no. skin you alive She myself. named it? <laughs> Fred the Otter. Oh. Fred. And, and and she's a wicked woman if she wants to be. Right. She can shoot a gun. Hey, better than, better than both of us. Right. I freely admit that. <laughs> oh, shoot. Freely admit that. Yep. So I'm like, okay, well, Greg, Mac, hands off on the Otter. So we loaded up on the coyote and the, and the gray fox and then later that following summer she got with me again and this time texted me could you please come out and do something about these otter and i'm like text her back what i thought you love fred the otter well the issue was couldn't catch any fish she loves taking her grandkids fishing in her own pond uh, on their property and there's no fish left they yeah. move in and they eat all the fish so we're like okay i can't do anything about it now we got to wait till season because the game wardens will not give any of us depredation permits for problematic otter really not going to happen gotta wait hmm. Interesting. so we waited in november oh, I love November. November finally rolls around. We get on out there, and there's four. There's oh. four otter in her pond. And by so that time, it wasn't we, just Fred. It, it was wasn't Fred. Fred, and his Fred had been busy. Yeah, Fred, Wilma, Bam, Bam, and right, all of them. The other one, Betty, I think. Was it Betty? Okay, I don't know. And uh, yeah, you got me thinking. It was Fred and Wilma. Yeah, Bam, Bam was actually Barney. Bam, kid. Bam was Barney. Barney. Pebbles? Barney. At Pebbles, Pebbles was, was Fred's kid. Right. That's right. Okay. Right. Anyway, right. Dino. We'll say Dino. I, I think Dino was my favorite. <laughs> and so 
with that, I started going all the way around the pond trying to look for trail sets, the best way to catch otters swimming in their trails or over land through their trails. And you put a conibear trap in that trail a certain way, and they'll, they'll just go right through it and get caught. Well, there wasn't any exit uh uh, trail leading off the, uh, the north end of the pond. So <clears throat> we had Darwin with us that day. He's like, you know what? We should take one of these sucker minnows that Greg picked up on the way up for mink bait and let me wire it to the trigger of the underwater conibear bear and put it over here on the end of the dock and the otter swim around underneath the ice. There was a a uh, hole open out in the middle, but we had a, kind of a late start. And we, if you remember, we had all that cold weather, yep. got off of cold weather, came early. And so it was all froze around the edges. So I'm like, guys, don't lie to me. I've heard about that set, but it's, that's a stupid set <laughs> to wire a minnow fish to the triggers of my conibear, put it under the water. What? Like the otter's just going to swim up and go, oh, free meal, snap. And I didn't want to do it. Well, they they forced me. They talked me into it. Basically, they said, if you don't, we're going to take one of these stakes and beat you over the head with it. I said, all right, well, let's not do that. <laughs> okay, Don't fellas. do that. Okay, I give. I give. <laughs> and so Darwin wired one of the uh, minnows to the trigger. I, meanwhile, cut a hole in the ice with my axe, sneaked on, uh, snuck on in there, and I placed the conibear, it was 330 conibear, under the uh, Belial, a Belial 330 conibear, that's uh, trapper speak. And uh, I placed it just under the ice far enough, knowing that the ice was going to be getting thicker so it was safe and wouldn't get froze. And by golly, the next morning we had an otter. Hmm. And the minnow was still attached to the trigger. So I reset that trap, and the following morning caught the second otter. Reset it, following morning caught the third otter on the same minnow in the same trap. The fourth uh, morning, then the last otter was um, traveling the shoreline and jumped in a 220 bucket baited with fish. Hmm. So in four days right there, I took four otter on Lorelei's pond, just like that. That's crazy. Just that fast. Hmm. So we're we're loaded with otter. Everywhere I, I drive, I see them. You never see them. I see I see like, the sign of them. Well, they're difficult to. They're, yeah, they do come out during the day, but they are more nocturnal. Oh, okay. So with that, a lot of people don't realize that we have as many otters as we do. I'm one of them. And then the other end of that spectrum is because I live up in the Princeton area between Zimmerman and Princeton, and I get calls all the time and hits on Facebook and so forth. Hey, there's a lot of coyote. Uh, can you please come over and see if you can eliminate them for us? We got chickens, we got pets, we got whatever. And I'm like, okay, where do you live? And they tell me where they, where they live. And I'm like, okay, well, everybody in your surrounding area, you guys are hearing the same family group of coyotes. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Because they're so vulnerable. They're all, they all live around it. Right. Yeah, yeah. They all live around that strip of woods or that, yep. that rough low area, low ground and so forth. So, so that's kind of how that works. So with that, you know, we we try to do the best we can as outdoors people and as outdoorsmen. And I wanted the typical deer hunter and the typical fisherman to know that us trappers are also trying to step up to the plate and trying to basically ensure that we are going to survive. Yeah. 
because if there's nobody to replace us and the young kids coming up, what's the point? Well, and it, I mean, it's even, you know, even fishermen and hunters, it's the same thing. Every year there's less and less and less licenses sold and trapping it, it, you know, we went out that day and I had a ball, you know, we set some traps, we checked a bunch of traps. We got a few otter or not otters, but uh, muskrats or whatever. And I was like, man, this is really, really cool. Did we catch any possum? No, okay, it was just a few good, muskrats good. Okay. in that one pond. It was like that retention pond for that water treatment thing or whatever that was. Was it Zimmerman or Princeton? Dude, I don't know. I, we, we drove so much. I'm sorry, I don't remember. We drove all over the place. Right. I can't remember. It was the last place we went. That's all I know. Well, it was one of the, well, we went, we set traps. I think we went out to lunch, and then we came back at the end of the day. And then we, you went around and checked the traps, and I think we ended up with like three out of there. But anyway. Muskrats. Yes, muskrats. Were they in the long cage traps that I yes. put underwater yes. in their swim channels? Yes. Okay, a colony trap. Yeah, a colony okay. trap, yep. Yeah, and then we cut the pike. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was one of those things where I'm like, and this is you know this is cool. I could see myself doing it. The problem is I don't have the time. You know I don't have time to right prep all the traps, find all right. the places to trap. You know, and then check them every day. It, right. it does take a special kind of breed to get into trapping. Right, because if you're going to do it right, you need to research and purchase the proper trap for your quarry and then once you've got your arsenal in your collection before you can deploy it out in the field you need to prepare those traps a certain way and with that there's basically two different there's i some some would even say three different ways of preparing that steel and preparing those traps to guard against rust and decay and so forth from the elements uh, but then also to make the trap fire faster and to conceal it better. So nowadays they've got uh, speed dips that you can take your traps and dunk in this basically like a, a commercial floor wax and then pull them up out of there and shake them off a few times and let that dry. And then that seals the metal of the trap so that the um, rust can't get to the metal as fast. And then also speeds up the uh, how the trap fires, makes it fire faster. Well, that's a chemical approach. Um, then some guys like using paint, they'll actually paint their traps. And that's, that's pretty cool because now coyote trappers in Iowa, uh, Kansas, can use a bright colored paint on their foothold traps. And it doesn't matter because it's getting covered up with dirt anyway. And so as they run through and do their check, you know, some of these guys might run 300 traps. And so as they go through in their vehicle through the fields, run in their check, as you drive by now, if you don't see that bright colored red or that bright colored blue or that bright colored orange sticking out of the dirt anywhere, they just keep on driving. Because if the trap fires, mm -hmm. like it's a deer hit or, or a, a fired and no critter in the trap, we call it like an empty or a deer hit, well, then you'll see that. And then, you, of course, you stop and get out and check it out and make your remake. So that's, that's a big time saver. Hmm. But with Greg and Mac and I, we are what we call traditionalists. And so the traditional method of treating our steel and treating our traps is with a heat system, a heat method, where we actually boil our traps in boiling hot water. And with that, we uh, can add this additive 
called logwood dye or logwood crystals. And they're telling me that this is a special tree from the Amazon rainforest. So you're cutting down the Amazon? We are burning that day. We're burning it. Boo. Chainsaws. Boo. Here. Uh, Boo. So somehow they're able to take this tree and they condense it down to logwood dye or logwood crystals that we then add to the water mm -hmm. and it stains the metal black. It's like blueing a shotgun barrel kind of, kind of sort of. I've well, never blued a shotgun barrel, yeah. but yeah, somehow it's like a chemical process. Hmm. And so this heat chemical process of the water with these crystals in it uh, dissolve, completely dissolve, and attack and stain the surface of the metal and turns it all black. It's fascinating. Hmm. But then with that, you take it up out of the boiling hot water, shake it off, and, and let it drip dry. Well, that's still not treated well enough. So we need to wax the trap. The traditional trapper waxes his traps after he boils them and, and dyes them black. And so I'm I'm still caught up on the boo and hissing of the cutting down of the, oh, the, the rainforest. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how they <laughs> We'll see what kind of reaction. I don't, Most people will be like, ha ha. Yeah. Ha. Other people will get like two people that go, huh. Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I. Like I mean, are they that. cut? Are they? Is it? Does that tree used just for that? Or I don't there, know. Oh, okay. I, I should research that. No, and I apologize. What's it called? What's it called? To the audience that I've not performed my due and diligence. Dude, I talk about all sorts of shit. I logwood. L o g. Log. W o o d. Wood, and that is. We're going to talk about that because Craig is killing. I'll talk slow since you write slow. Rain forest. Yes. Decimating. Yeah, decimating. It's all gone because right. of you. Just one. So now with that, while the trap is still hot, we shake it a few times. Basically, let uh, keep a uh, uh, yardstick. Smack the uh, string of traps. We do like three to six at a time. Wire them together. Smack them a few times. Let that moisture uh, fall and drip out of all of the metal crevices in the trap, and let it dry off and evaporate. And but then, yet before it cools off, then we take that bunch of traps and put it in boiling hot wax hmm. and then with that we'll let it come back up to temperature because it cools it off and we let it bring come back up to temperature and get the metal the the desired heat that it needs to be pull it up out of that vat shake it off hang it same yardstick tap it a few times get rid of all those drops of course it's important to cover your garage floor with cardboard. <laughs> Otherwise, you have a big mound of wax. Don't forget that part. <laughs> you got to do that. And so with that then, once that cools, then the traditional trapper has a uh, device that can catch critters that will stand up to the elements. So those, and that's in a nutshell, the three different ways, painting, speed dipping, and traditional dye and wax is hmm. how we treat all of our traps. Now with all of that, that's a lot of effort. Yeah. That's a lot of time. Well, that's what I was saying. And it's Just, a lot of money to buy the product, well, buy all the tools. Traps are not cheap. They are not Good cheap. God. They and, are not cheap. And especially when they're, you know, older ones. Mm -hmm. Everybody goes, oh, those are the good ones. Right. <laughs> you know? If you can find it. Yeah. So I would say if anybody has any Montgomery round jaw number twos, we're buying them. Let me know. Get with me on Facebook. Montgomery round jaw number two. Montgomery number two round jaw. All right. Tank well, of a trap. There you go. Get a hold of me or him. Right. Get a hold of me first Hit so I can up. buy him, and then I'll be <laughs> I'll sell them to him and make money. Yeah. 
It's the circle right. of traps. That's how it works. There's oh, it's like jewelry. There's always right. a middleman involved. Right. Anyway, looks so good hanging on your on your barn wall on the inside of your shed. Let's see, right, right there. I'll put it up here, so on the wall. I think you need to have a a grouping here right and there. a grouping over in the corner. You oh, know, you traps. don't want it to be dominant. You want it to be supportive. supportive. And that's what we trappers do to the other outdoor groups. We support the pheasant hunters. Nice. I'm just going to come right out and say nice it. Segue. If it wasn't for the trappers, the pheasant hunters would not be enjoying as good of a hunt. Because? Because we kill the critters that eat their quarry. Amen. Typically the egg layers. Or the yes. the egg eaters, yep. the possum and the skunk and the raccoon, they just come through. They'll decimate the, they'll decimate the. I don't, is it a herd of, uh, no, the flock of like pheasants? A, is it a gaggle of pheasants? That's or a gaggle is, of geese. Is it a, a mur murder? Murder. <laughs> murder. Murder of pheasants. Murder of pheasants. You know they're hard on them. I think it's a flock. And I'll even come out and boldly proclaim that, you know, the trapper ensures, the grouse hunter's success. Mm -hmm. With the fisher and the pine martin, you know, and the fox up north in the in the big woods, you know. Of course, we can't do anything about the timber wolves. Well, yet. and deer hunters, coyotes, mm -hmm. deer hunters with fawns, mm -hmm. you know. And so a, and a, and whenever they allow us again, <clears throat> the bigger dogs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So until then, what's what what does SSS stand for? Uh, shoot, shovel, and shut up. Right. So there's that. So I feel for the people living up north. I really do. Yeah. Have to deal with They're them. everywhere. It's it's a bad deal. They're everywhere. So so with that, we trappers support the other outdoor user groups. Even fishermen. Even the fishermen otters. with I mean, the otters. <laughs> That, mm -hmm. that, I mean, if I take away anything from this podcast, right. it's, first of all, otters are apparently everywhere and they're planning world domination. Mm -hmm. And two, trappers help fishermen. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thought? Mm -hmm. Not a clue. I had right. no clue whatsoever. That's right. insane. And so that's something that we boast. You know, we're, we're careful about it. We don't want to be prideful or anything like that, but we will stand up for ourselves and we will pro proclaim when backed into a corner. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times at Game Fair, I get some angry pheasant hunters coming into the booth and saying, you know, look, I think we'd be all better off if you guys just hung up your traps and went away. Looking me in the eye and telling me that. I'm like, eh, dude. Is it because of the whole dog getting caught in a trap thing? Uh, yeah, all that controversy. Yeah. And, and most of it all happened back in the 70s and right. in the 80s, you know, right. but the the uh, hard feelings are still there. So yeah. that's one of the reasons why us trappers, if, if you'll um, been paying attention, a lot of the different groups are stepping up and making their presence known, not, not only on Facebook, but at these different venues. And across the state of Minnesota, we've got armies of volunteers that go to the various um, county fairs and the state fair, the Minneapolis Sportsman Show, mm -hmm. the Deer Classic, Yep, you know, and the general thought is just to have a presence. We're not there. We're not like a bunch of um, animal rights activists who proclaim and, and hold up signs and you have to uh, accept us and, and force themselves on the rest of society. That's not trappers. And that's not what we're doing at these venues. We're there saying, hey, we're here. And if you'd like to have a conversation, by all means, let's have a conversation. Come on in and we'll, we'll talk about it, you know. And typically at Game Fair, I am totally surprised at the number of guys coming through the booth that every year, oh, yeah, I remember back in high school I used to trap muskrats. 
Oh, really? What happened? Oh, I just, I guess I got responsible and got a family and I got a wife and right. kids and life got in the way. And we're saying, oh, okay, yeah, we, we hear that a lot. Well, there's, there's a way around that. And it starts with you. If you want to revisit that, then here's the Minnesota Trappers Association. Here's our convention. Here's all the information. Here's our Facebook page. And I know for a fact that guys have been extremely appreciative of that and consequently have gotten back into running a trap line. And that's a pretty cool feeling. That's good. Yeah, to revisit their days of their youth. Right, right. Because he had newsflash. I am no, I am nowhere near the trapper as I was when I got my driver's license at 16. I caught my first beaver in Kansas City, the east side of the metro, on a farmer's uh, farm. His name was Dub. Dub Richard lived right next to us. Dub come over one day and talked to my mom and said, "Yeah, I got this problem beaver. I hear your kid's a trapper." So I come home from school and. I get on the bicycle, I ride over, because it was just before the driver's license. <clears throat> I talked to Dub, he says, yeah, I got a beaver living down in a creek, Snybar Creek, and it's eating my corn, plugging it up, plug, it's flooding part of the field. So he said, I want you to get down there, and I want you to kill that beaver, but you can't drive, you got to walk. <laughs> what, like a mile back there? You know there? where this is going, right? <laughs> And my dad had this 1970 orange Chevrolet pickup truck. Wouldn't let me drive it. He would not let me drive it. I had to take my driver's license and uh, I think it was some piece of shit Buick or something, you know. So <laughs> a car, right? A not car. in my truck. Go <laughs> beat up the Buick. Right. You leave him a Chevy truck. alone. Right. Wouldn't even front wheel drive, you know. And so, <laughs> of course, <laughs> same with the truck. It was not four wheel drive. <clears throat> so finally trapping season came and I... I took both of the beaver traps that I had. I bought two of them just for this occasion. Looking forward to it, you know. Couldn't sleep at night. All excited. Oh, yeah. Weeks. <clears throat> Finally, I get down there. And I, I walk. I walk down there. It's a long ways. Especially wearing them them rubber chest waders back in the day. Now we got this neoprene. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Now yeah. we got this really cool stuff. Oh, we're, that rubber. And we still oh, hate it, God. though. That's a funny thing. Oh, that rubber was, that was oh. It was terrible. Yeah. <clears throat> so I get down there. Don't know what I'm doing. You know, there's no, again no mentorship. Right. There was no man. I was totally on my own. Me and S. Stanley Hallbaker. Just go set some traps and let her buck, huh? Right. And so I get down there. Didn't know what. Didn't know what to do. You know. So this beaver's snapping my traps and setting them off. You know, and empty day after day. And this is the. I think it's about a week and a half into it. This is like Moby Dick. And I got tired of it. I decided, <laughs> screw this. I'm driving into the location. Uh-oh. And I <clears throat> pulled off a hard saw road. Didn't go very far and sunk it right up to the axles. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. You know, by this time I was 16 and had my driver's license. So I sat there for a few minutes and trying to think. How am I going to get out of this one? Dad's first. I got to face Dad because I, I didn't steal the truck, but you know I borrowed it. I borrowed it, right, borrowed Dad? It. So I got to try to figure out. How I didn't to steal it. This. I just used it without their permission. <laughs> and then I got to go face Dub. Oh yeah. You know it was a uh, hay pasture. Oh, not in the hay. Yeah, it was in the hay. Oh, you good know. Good job. Right. So. <clears throat> 
I thought, all right, well, I can't do anything here. I'm on the opposite side of the beaver from the house and Dub's house, and I'm way over here. So I got to leave the truck, I, and I don't have to lock it up. Nobody's going to come in here. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of this field. Can't even see it from you the road. Can't steal the truck anyway. So, so well, leave the keys in it. Leave the keys sakes. in the ignition. Be, be like my grandpa Sonny on the streets of Moreland, Kansas. Yeah. Everybody left the well, by the keys time they, in the ignition. By the time they get it out, you're walking up to him. Go, oh, thanks. Oh, oh, yeah, that's what I was doing. No problem. <laughs> and he just keeps walking down the road. <laughs> so I, I grab my equipment. I got this pack basket. I put my waders on, <clears throat> and I go down. A little axe. I didn't have an axe. I remember I had a um, little hatchet, like, oh, yeah. a, like a Boy Scout hatchet. Oh, nice, nice. Now I've moved up in the world. I carry a full-size axe. So I took the axe. Or You're took a man a little, now. I'm a man now. Yeah, so yeah, I took yeah. a little hatchet, chop, 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 mm-hmm. hole in the ice, and <gasps> there's a tail, beaver tail. By golly, I got my first beaver. And I was overcome with emotion. I, th- I think I might have even, I might have even shed a tear. On the banks of the Snyabar River at the age of 16. So I was freaked out, man. I pulled that beaver out. I was like, oh, my God. Reset it. Took him out of the trap. Reset it. Put it back. Oh, now I'm, now I'm pumped. Now I don't care what my dad's <laughs> going to do to me. I don't really care what attitude Dub's going to give me. I got my first beaver. And trying to load a 50-pound beaver into a wicker pack basket on the shoulders of a scrawny 16-year-old oh, boy geez. and then stand up and walk with it was pretty tough, but I got it done. Crossed the creek, through the cornfield on the other side, made a beeline for... I could see the barn through the across the top of the, of the corn stalks. Tassels are all done for the year, you know. Everything is all nice and dry. <laughs> Make it up to the house. And he's, he'd seen me coming. I think he'd see, he probably seen the, seen the truck. It was orange, you know, by the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not missing it. <laughs> he met me outside. Funny-looking cow out in the pasture. Yeah. <laughs> Starts quizzing me what I got. You know, of course, the tail sticking out of the pack basket. Dub, I got your beaver. He goes, that doesn't look like all you done. <laughs> and he was, he was pissed, boy. His face was red. His eyes were bugging out. His wife had to come outside and get him calmed down. You know, I told you, I told you not to drive out. My, yeah, but I caught this beaver. You know, so we went round and round a couple of times, and I finally stopped apologizing because he was pissed. Yeah, and he wasn't hearing it. So, that's the story of my first beaver. I don't mu- remember much after that. I don't remember what Dad did to me. Well, he didn't kill you. He didn't. I'm still here. He didn't take any digits, right, or appendages. So that's good. They're all here. So I mean, he might have bonked you a couple times in the head. Yeah, it's a possibility. Pretty good with a belt. Yeah. Kind of that long reach of long arm of the law. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's the story of my first beaver in Grain Valley, Missouri in the 70s. Nice. When did you start trapping? What age? God, I don't... Boy, put me on the spot. Well, I was you pretty like young. 10 or... Uh, we moved 15? We moved from Kansas to the Ozarks when I was in the sixth grade. I don't know how old a person is in the sixth grade. About 12. Probably 11, somewhere in there. 12, okay. Uh, and then from, we moved to a place called Windsor. Then we moved down to Warsaw. And Warsaw was where I caught my first critter. What was it? Something cool or was, like a it squirrel? It was pretty cool. It was, it was in a homemade trap. Okay. My daddy was a construction worker, worked on bridges running a crane, and he'd always 
drag lumber home and had some bent nails and whatever, you know, and he had a rusty saw. So I had this idea. Seen it in the pages of the Oh, book no, called, this is a homemade trap. This a is a homemade trap, box I'm, trap. I'm, I'm going to guess this is not trap. legal at this point. Uh, I th- like now. I, be- I believe <laughs> I believe that box traps are legal uh, if you construct them a certain way, yeah. I believe. Um, this one was pretty crude. I didn't have a, a pedal, pe- like a what they call a pedal uh, uh, pan oh, so firing walks system a, yeah, when, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. when they step on it. I just drilled a hole in the top of the box and stuck a stick in there after whittling on it and just got the stick to kind of half-ass stay in place. And I figured, well, the raccoon will go in there, bump against the stick, and then move the stick, and the stick will fly up through the hole that's mounted to the string with the weight of the door sliding down on a little track that I made. All right. It worked. Did it. It worked. But it was a, it was a heavy trap. It's a big. I could only hit one at a time on the seat of the bicycle with that banana seat with that sissy bar. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the day, they didn't have bungee straps. Now they got these. Have you seen bungee straps lately? They're really cool. They're they're springy. They got nice hooks on them. They're (laughs) coated. The metal's coated so it doesn't mar any finish. No, we didn't have any of that. We had none of that. We had to make do. In fact, I don't think I even had anything to strap on. I had to hold it on the seat of the bike while I walked. (laughs) Using it as like a makeshift <laughs> wheelbarrow, right? This is when we lived in Warsaw, Missouri. We lived in a trailer park right next to where they were building that new dam that made Tru- oh. Truman Reservoir. So this whole thing now is underwater. I can't prove it unless we get scuba gear. I'm not scuba certified. Right. Neither am I. a submarine? So kind of screwed. Anybody yeah. have a submarine? We should... What are we? What are we proving though? Well, we paint it yellow. I would like to go back and and revisit the location of oh. where I caught my first possum. It was a possum, and he was pissed, <laughs> hissing. Well, the, yeah, they're they're mean critters. Oh yeah, he's looking at me kind of angrily. Yeah, and I was so happy. I remember I loaded him up on. I tried to get him out, but he was like kind of fighting me a little bit. I was kind of scared. And so I loaded the box with the possum back on the seat of the bicycle, and I walked the forever. It was like forever back to the house so I could show my parents. I was so proud. And you had a live possum in a so box. proud of this possum. Live possum in a box. <laughs> You're, so like, you're like a cat. Hey, look at this mouse I brought you. Yeah. Get that mouse deal. out of my kitchen. Same deal. <laughs> same deal. Oh, my God. I almost had the possum in my mouth with the tail curling all around. Oh, mom, if it didn't want me. to kill you, yeah. Right. That deal. Yeah. So that's the story of my first, my first possum. My first catch. What, what did they say when you came home with a live possum in a box? Your dad. Let me guess your dad. Why is he still living? Your mom. Eh, didn't care. Uh, I, I, I don't remember. I think I blocked it all out. Oh. I was so elated. <laughs> And full of just joy was just escaping yeah. my body out of every port. Well, hell, you made your own trap and actually right. it worked. And it worked. And then you were hooked for life. And then I was hooked for life. Then I started going to garage sales. Mom would find me a book or something. She'd find a handful of traps. She'd drag them home. You know, so I had supportive parents in that regard. Oh, that's good. You know, so that was pretty cool. And that's what we tell all of the parents that come in with their their children at Game Fair is, look, I can see here that young Johnny is turned on about this. Mm -hmm. And so here's what you can expect, and here's what you need to plan for, and here's how you need to mentor your son's spirit. Because this is what he's going through, 
And thank God he's going through it at this time and this day and age where we have a supportive team to support your son. Because mm-hmm. back in the 70s, it didn't exist. Man. No, you're on your own. It did and, not exist. And probably uh, treated kind of like a new fisherman by you know hardcore tournament guys that don't want to share any information i could imagine that's how it was back in the day you right know, i'm not teaching you how to trap because you're going to infringe on my area and i'm that's gonna get right. less fur which means less money which means mm-hmm. in those days less f- food on my table that's right those guys were actually doing this for a living mm-hmm. that's it i know many many people <clears throat> many many guys who bought vehicles and houses off of their fur checks mm-hmm. that's how it was not the same way today. No, that's not even was. close. Well, you can't even. I don't even know if you could trap that many animals these days. Right, it'd be to make tough. to make money, right. regardless of what the price was, unless of course it was like exorbitant. But then right. everybody'd be trapping, and the prices would mm-hmm. just plummet right back down. Right, everybody'd be trapping, yeah. and so they'd be hard on the resource. Yep, it was the first thing that would happen. They'd be chasing the resource, and then they'd be flooding the market with the pelts, and thereby bringing the bringing the price down. That's what would happen. How is the market right now? Right now, it's pretty soft. I use the term um, recessed. I think we've moved above a, dep- a depression market. Which was the um, last few years, wasn't it? Yeah, really, really yeah. dismal. Pretty bad. Um, so accordingly, with that, a lot of guys made the decision that with the Minnesota Trappers Association, we've got our tan fur project, and the tan fur project takes donated and confiscated fur and gets it into classrooms. It gets oh. it into the hands of teachers where it will do the most good. And so a lot of guys were basically donating their entire catch because what's the point? You're not going to get any return for it. You're getting a buck or two of fur. And, and we can't sit yeah. at home watching yeah. TV. We're going to be who we're going to be. Right. And we are going to trap. And so you may as well make the best of it and do something good with it. Yeah. So that's been really encouraging. That First of all, we have the Tanfer project with the Minnesota Trappers Association. And then we've got an army of dedicated volunteers that successfully donate a portion or sometimes even all of their catch as a means to an end. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. That is way cool. Yeah. Well, it might, you know, you might, by donating that to a classroom, kid goes, oh, this is cool and I like this. You know, how, how was it taken? How did this end up here? Right. Well, it all was those trapped. questions. Oh, Okay. You might end up with one trapper and a thousand kids, but that's one more trapper than you had if you didn't do that. Right. And then all of the people sitting on a fence, then those kids, as they get older, they'll remember that. They'll mm-hmm. remember that they had pelts in their classroom in the sixth grade. And that won't leave them. That that, that leaves a lasting memory. So uh, I think they call it a uh, significant emotional response is what it creates. They've even done studies in nursing homes where they've taken traps and pelts into nursing homes. And for that brief time, grandpa's back. Oh, And yeah. you can have a conversation. Yeah. And he remembers you. Yeah. It just triggers that. It triggers it. Yeah. Triggers their brain. Yeah. Boom, they're back. Not for very long, so take advantage of it. Right. And don't, don't overdo it. Maybe do it just, you know, once every couple months or something. Don't yeah. overdo yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Stimulate, stimuli, and again, stimulate the kids all you want, but grandma and grandpa, right? Maybe once right. Or, We've once heard those stories on <laughs> KQ That's about cool. the nursing homes. That's know. cool. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting times that we're living in. Um, it's 
it's easier to become a trapper nowadays. And then, too, on the other end of the spectrum here, um, back in the day when we would buy a coyote trap or a fox trap, um, it was then determined that that trap could be made better. It could uh, be modified and it could be tweaked. Uh, 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 pieces of metal could be welded to the outside of the jaws and then the inside of the jaws so that when the trap closes on the animal's paw, it would then give a greater um, surface area that the trap jaw itself would be striking the animal's paw. Instead of a narrow band of metal, it would then be a wider band of metal, thereby creating a better animal husbandry type situation and less discomfort for the animal, right? And so with that, trying to do that as a kid and not having any welding experience didn't happen. Right. Uh, swivels, uh, base plating, center swiveling, all of the uh, music wire springs, better quality springs, all of these um, posi trip pans and night latching on the pans, all of the triggering mechanisms on the foot trap, all of these different um, modifications, better staking systems. Used to be, we, uh, I remember driving a wood stake in the ground and taking wire and wrapping around the stake first, driving it in the ground, and then wiring my trap to that very very ineffective yeah no doubt very primitive but when you don't know you don't know and if you don't know that you don't know you don't know right it's a bad deal it's a bad circle and it's not like so anybody's now, sharing information because they all want their spots to themselves and they right. want to be the best guy so you're not coming up with better technology yes and so now what we've got is even better staking systems now we've got stakes you can pound into the ground with a chain attached instead of a metal rod basically a piece of rebar rod with a washer or a nut welded on the end. Um, now we've got chain stakes that we can drive into the ground. And as that stake goes into the ground, it's going bullet first. But then as you pull your driver out and then you put tension on the chain itself and pull up on the chain, that bullet turns sideways and creates all that earth contact and all that dirt contact. You can't pull it out hardly mm -hmm. even if you've got a four-wheeler. Right, so better staking systems, better quality inline swivels, better quality base plating and center swiveling on the traps, better all the way around with these traps. Well, with that, for the first time here in these the modern times here, we can actually buy traps from the factory that have been designed that way from the blueprint drawing board and are now available for sale that you don't have to expend all of that effort and all of that energy trying to make your trap better because it's already the best that it can be right. from the manufacturer and that that's huge well, that's, that's cool. You get the information from the trapper saying, hey, build this and let me try it. Build mm -hmm. this, let me try it. Just like mm -hmm. anything, just like a fishing rod, fishing reel, yep. a shotgun, whatever. They build it, they try it. You like it, you don't, you tell them how to tweak it and whatever. Mm -hmm. Tell them and how it, to tweak and, it. And with this new technology, and this is going to sound very strange for people, but it actually creates a better <laughs> – this is going to flip some triggers maybe – a better experience for the animal. Let me explain. Either they have a quicker death or – they're they're like in a leg hold, they're they're held there, but they're not in pain, until right. of course, mm -hmm. you right. show up and you dispatch the animal quickly. Mm -hmm. Because so, now now the coyote can swivel and yep. jump because because they go they they fight the trap. Yep. Right. They try to get away, and through that process, is they create what's called a catch circle on the ground or a burn circle on the ground where they're 
running around in circles trying to escape this foe that's got a hold of their paw. So if, it, if the trap staking system in the trap itself has quality swivels that allows that, that twisting and movement to happen, then that trap never gets caught or bound up. And so you never have any paw damage. Right. So, so yeah, so, it, so it's, like I said, it's, it's weird to say this, mm-hmm. but it's a better Even experience with, for the animals because either it's an yes. extremely quick death or they're just being held, not, you know, broken bones and ripped off fur mm-hmm. and everything until you come and then, you know, mm-hmm. dispatch of them. And dispatch. And even with our broadheads on the arrows for the archers with the uh, deer hunters, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen those broadheads make great strides. Oh, dude. Great strides. <laughs> dude. I'm looking at these broadheads well, going, oh, my God. Well, that one next to you on the wall, you'll see the broadhead on it. That's a Rage 3 blade. Be careful. Oh, yes. It's sharp. Yes. Um, that thing, I could put my fist in the entry hole. When <gasps> entry. I, on that one. Entry hole. The entry, entry hole. Yeah. Not just Doesn't the exit hole, but the entry hole. I mean, it's a two-inch cut plus the way that it cuts. And, you know, when the point hits the skin, it's pushing the skin in. So actually you're cutting more. Mm, yes. So, but yeah, it's amazing. Isn't that something? Yeah. And that's not even a big broadhead. Mm. You get some guys that are using, you know, two and a quarter, two and a half inch broadheads mm. that are mm. like that. So you're putting, I mean, you can, it's ridiculous. Some of these holes. And I've even seen like, which any, leads to a quicker death. Yes. I've even seen some sort of an expanding I think they call it the guillotine blade for turkey hunting to where oh. you can go for a headshot <laughs> on the turkey. It's it's a fixed blade. It's fixed. But, yeah, they're like five inches wide each right. blade or whatever. It, and right. you're throwing a softball full, you know, full of mm-hmm. blades at this turkey's head. Right. It'll take them right, clean right off. You hit them in the neck, right? Right. Clean off. Isn't that something? Which so, leads to a quicker, a quicker death. death. Because that's the bottom line. Which is the most humane. We are harvesting. Right. You know, and so right now that on Facebook, I see there's uh, quite a bit of controversy. Hey, um, these trappers are cruel. <laughs> they're skinning their animals while they're still alive. Says, do they have and, any proof of this? And we're like... <laughs> What? God. What? They're watching those videos from like India or something, right? I think that's what's got to be India and China, right? Yeah. Third world countries. They don't care over there. When they don't care. It's a totally different different mindset. Yeah. You know, and then thinking that happens on American soil. So, yeah, so we end up dealing with all that nonsense. Right. So, but what a wonderful time it is to be alive with all of the technological advancements for the trapper. And then even when you... Uh, move out of the realm of the uh, equipment and the traps. When you look at attractants and lures and scents and odors and smells, well, technology and science has entered that as well. Mm-hmm. Now, most of those are well-guarded secrets, but I mean, let's face it: most of most of the coyote attractants probably have beaver caster in it because beaver caster is so so attractive. To all the species, they just they love it, and I'm <laughs> quick to point out on <laughs> on Facebook quite often that hey, you know that uh, raspberry flavored ice cream oh. that you're eating that <laughs> that has beaver caster in it, and they're like, no, can't be. Oh, yeah. read, it's in a lot of things. Oh, I read the in- ingredients label. Craig, you're a liar. I'm like, really? Okay, read it. Ba- read it off to me. And they go down as uh, blah, 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 riboflavin, uh, 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 dye, yellow dye number 13, and all these different things, you know, uh, 
fructose, corn syrup, and, and then natural flavoring. Yeah. And I'm like, ding, 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 yep, ding. Yep. We have a winner, folks. Yep. Nope. Natural flavoring. And what exactly is the uh, <laughs> caster? The caster is not an anal gland. Of uh, uh, first of all, we also oh, Facebook's it. lying. Facebook's lying. <laughs> <coughs> Mark Zuckerberg, you can kiss my ass, both cheeks. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Good luck finding that. I'll just say the Dude. views expressed by the guests are not necessarily the views expressed by the host. Right. I'm not going to argue or right. tell you that you're wrong. Right. Just so with that, let's talk about what the <laughs> beaver caster is now not. I'm going to get banned on Facebook. Right. So beaver caster is not anal gland. When a coyote marks its territory, a red fox marks its territory, they are using secretions uh, that gives their own... Um, signature for their their own personage for their own um self right just like a when a big buck uh, creates a scrape and he urinates in that scraped ground the next thing he does is he goes up to the licking branch and rubs it all over his forehead and his uh, the glands all over his eye sockets and so forth and and i and i probably am using the uh, improper verbiage but every outdoorsman knows exactly what i'm talking about that buck has now not only created the environment for a receptive doe uh, in heat but also letting her know which specific buck it is in the herd. Well, the beaver do the same thing, but uh, the casters are not anal glands. It's not urine. It's not feces. It's totally separate. Now with the beaver, it's all three are are excreted from the same vent hole, right? So we've got defecation, urination, and the deposit of the uh, scent marking with the Caster glands all happen out of that same orifice, right? The pooper. So it's the the poop end. So a lot of people <laughs> yeah. mistakenly think oh, that, okay. and then a fourth one, they also have an oil sack right there too, right next to the casters. <laughs> so he's got a cut toenail, a specially designed toenail that he can also got let, like a little cup shaped, the way that it's cut, or it's not actually cut. It's a, it's the way that it's naturally grown. It has like a little spoon type situation in it, he can grab a hold of that oil and then it consequently rub that oil all over his entire body and make his fur waterproof, similar to the way a duck preens itself. Son of a bitch. So there's actually huh. four things happening out of the same vent hole. Just hopefully the the oil is the only thing coming out at that time before he rubs it all over his body. Right. <laughs> right. I'm waterproof, but damn, I smell like shit. Yeah, right. What happened here? You know, and so you you hear these giardia outbreaks. Well, that's the beaver uh, urine and defecation in the water because they basically they poop and pee while they're swimming. Hmm. I mean, what a wonderful well, life. So do fish. Live. So hey, right, whatever. You know? So as they're swimming along, then that that can a lot of times infect the water supply as they get the water out of the river and they don't purify it good enough and put it up in the water tower. Mm. Then everybody in town gets giardia. Ugh. So that's where the Giardi comes from is is that that venue there. Hmm. Um, but the caster, the casters are about this big around. They're side by side. And the beaver has the ability with the muscle system 
surrounding that that they can put pressure on it, it's similar to a skunk, how a, a skunk shoots out the mm-hmm. the odor in the spray, similar to that. Hmm. So the beaver can can control when and how much that he or she, and they both have it. Uh, so it's not like testicles at all. It's okay. totally separate from that whole reproductive situ- situation. And it is strictly for the beaver. It's strictly for marking their territory. Okay. So then how the beaver does that is underwater, they grab a bunch of de- uh, mud and decayed leaves and so forth up from the bottom. They swim it, uh, swim up to the surface at the edge of the river or the edge of the lake with their uh, uh, marking territory materials in their grasp. They waddle up onto the bank. They deposit this pile of decayed matter and mud on the surf on, on the edge of the bank where it's in view and can be a lot of, and it's best uh, every time I've seen it naturally it's so it's in view of other swimming beaver. And then they hunch over just like a uh, bitch coyote, and they mark their territory by squirting the secretions of their um, beaver anal glands onto the <laughs> surface of that mud pie. We call it a mud pie or a caster. That's a natural caster. And so the, us trappers, we trappers, we can mimic that. We can scoop up a handful of mud, put it on the edge of the bank, reach in our chest waders, neoprene, neoprene chest waders, not wonderful. Rubber, not rubber ones anymore. No longer rubber. And unscrew the lid of the bottle that has our caster in it. Swill, uh, swizzle a little stick in there, put it on top of that mud pile, and I'm telling you, the beaver has an un... It's incredible, an uncanny sense of smell. You think a black bear can smell? You think a coyote can smell really well? Oh, my God, dude. Really? That beaver. And then plus, they've they've got several things working to their advantage. Their nose is right at the surface of the water. So any odors that's... That in that is in the area typically is going to be right on the surface of the water and typically right at the edge. Yeah. So as he's swimming around, and I've been able to wit personally witness, I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens of beaver in the wild, and every time you see them, their nose is working, mm-hmm. and they can smell me. As soon as they smell me, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. And oftentimes they'll smack their tail on the surface of the water, and they'll take off. Most of the times, though, I think they they slip away quietly. You never see them again. They just boof right oh, into yeah. their den and they're 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 done. Hmm. They're not going to come out. I had this one beaver job <clears throat> over in Elk Rivers behind. Uh, we we got time for another story. <laughs> we got uh, an hour and forty two minutes. Let's go. It was over uh, <laughs> behind uh, Elk River uh, Home Depot, over by um, uh, the Walmart to the east. There, there's oh, yeah. a housing development back a little ways back in there, and uh, there's this pond. <clears throat> that the city of Elk River ended up with a piece of property on the edge of this. Basically, it's a slough, uh, but it was just deep enough. It didn't have any cattails, but it's not. Sorry. Sorry, Doug. No fish in it. Damn it. It just isn't, isn't deep enough. Damn it. Right? It's because of the otters. Otters ain't Damn otters. They're over there, too. They like bullhead <laughs> and carp. <laughs> they can have the carp. <laughs> They can have the car. So, I don't care. And so they <clears throat> I get put them in the Saint Croix or wherever they uh, they got that uh, that big right. that, that, uh, that silver one, the big head. Oh, yeah, the, the silver. silver one, yeah, right. yeah. And so I get a call from Josh. He says, "Hey, you still killing beaver?" And I'm like, "Well, when am I not killing beaver?" Well, <laughs> we were clearing these 
trees that the beaver had girdled and tried to uh, chew down these big, huge oak trees, didn't get it done, so they're standing dead trees. That's what so, it's called is girdled when they girdled. eat Girdled. Okay. Yep, when they go around the entire tree trunk at the base and they chew off all the bark as they're chewing the tree down, that's now called girdled. Oh, they okay. have girdled the tree, and the tree will die. Because, mm-hmm. of course, that's the layer by which it exchanges moisture. I think the moisture comes up from the roots. Right. I'm not a tree biologist, but I know that living in Sherburn County, thou shalt not Girdle trim the trim the uh, trees of the oak in April, May, and June. So, there's some poem, something about that, where it's spreading oak wilt and all that. So April, uh-huh. April May, and June, you don't prune or something like that. All right. <clears throat> And so with that, I get a get a call from Josh. They were in there uh, clearing off this uh, area of land to turn it into a Elk River City Park. And while he was doing that with his bobcat, one of those huge trees came. There was no wind. There was no wind, no breeze. It just was time. And that tree came down and just missed him in the cab of the of the bobcat. Oof. And if it had landed on him. It would have crushed him to the point where they would have had to use the jaws of life to extract him from that cap. It was a big tree. Huge tree. Oof. So I got in there. Well. <clears throat> so they said, enough is enough. We should probably make a phone call and get right. rid of these bastards. Right. <laughs> call Craig. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm also the dog catcher, too, for Sherburne County, so there's that. Like legitimately a dog catcher. But I don't do cats unless they're caught in my trap, and then I do cats. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't believe how many feral cats we we've got. So oh, many topics to I've, we've got, discuss. dude. We got cats running rampant around the oh, city. It's crazy. My neighborhood. It's crazy. Yeah. So with that, all of these humans uh, word had gotten out. Hey, there's beaver over here. It's a beaver lodge close to the to the shore. It's kind of cool. Go check it out. And so. Every time I'd be back in there, I'd see other humans that I'd not seen before. There's one guy with the city of Elk River had a pickup truck, and he had, uh, as I pulled in and parked at the end of this cul-de-sac to walk in, I see there's this city truck, and in the back of the truck is all these garage sale signs and yard sale signs and and Girl Scout cookie signs and all this. I'm like, what? Oh, he's that guy that goes and ruins everybody's day. He's that guy. Kind of a prick. Can't stand that guy. Yeah, Leave my garage sale signs alone. Right. I'll take them down. They're my garage sale signs. I don't care if they're in the road. How dare you take a Girl Scout cookie sign? How am I supposed to get my fix? They are girls. And you're being mean to girls. Yeah. So. Never mind. So I walked back in there. He's on smoke break. (coughs) Kind of like smoke break sugar beets, but that's a private joke. So he's back there on smoke break. All right, you're telling me that one off camera later. Yeah. And I walk back in there. You know, he's standing there smoking a cigarette, and he's standing right on the edge of the bank where there's a, a bank run, and they piled sticks on top of the dirt because the dirt had caved in. Well, they still wanted to continue to use it. So then that's actually, instead of a bank lodge, which is a standalone wooden structure only made out of trees, no cattails, out in the water is a bank lodge, or is a uh, lodge, beaver lodge in the water. A bank den is burrowed up into the dirt, but then like a hybrid situation where they have to cover sticks over the top, well, then we'll call that a bank lodge. It's like a hybrid of both a lodge and a bank den. Now, why do they make a bank lodge? Because they can't make a bank? Because they can't. They 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 just dig? I mean, they just make three. They just make them all. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It just kind of depends on where they they decide to Kind of beaverology 101, uh, the... 
thought process is uh, amongst all the different trappers over the eons of time, which trappers were the ones who made it so that America could be colonized. Yes. Colonized. Con- uh, uh, inha- coloni- colonized. In- inhabitable. Thank you very much. Colonized. I'll take I'll take my share of the Helped credit us. for that. Yeah, anyway. When men were men. Um, <sighs> and the women were men too. But... Right. They all had hair. They all had facial <laughs> True hair. True story. Some still do. <laughs> Go to Walmart. You'll see it every day. And, and so w- with that, how it works in a beaver lodge, um, when you have a um, non-molested by human activity beaver lodge where there hasn't been any harvesting of the beaver and they've been um, they've been free to, to live on their own without being trapped. You'll typically have the big fem- female and the big male. You'll have a pair of two-year-olds and the jury is out on if they're both female or if they're both male or if they're always one male and one female. And then you have four kits. So right there on average you'll have eight beaver in a lodge. Wow. The two big dogs, the two medium-sized dogs, and then the four kits. So as those four kits grow and are eating more and more out of house and home, rowdy teenagers wanting to hog the internet, uh, Dad, can I borrow the car? They get pissed at that, and they kick them out. And they're not very nice about it. They're pretty mean. This one here doesn't have any cuts or any bite marks in the tail at all. I've caught them where the, the tail is completely chewed up. Hmm. That's a beaver that didn't want to leave home. Right, right, right. But was forced because of the pain, had no choice. Yeah. Just finally got tired of it. <laughs> right, finally got tired of it. So with the lodge out in the water, in close proximity to that, you'll, I said that, proximity to that, you'll have uh, down trees that they cut and they haul popple trees out to the water, buried in the water. And that's their underwater food cache for the winter. So when the ice comes on, and you boys down in Alabama don't know what I'm talking about, we drive on the ice out here and yeah. go fishing out on the ice yeah. and hey, haul houses. To my, to my one listener in Saudi Arabia. Right. And then South Africa, we have ice that we right. drive on. Right. Lakes, they freeze up. We have to Big, use Big, thick layer ice, we drive on it. Chainsaws. And then we cut. fish out of it. Yeah. And so the <laughs> beaver that can then, all winter long, leave the lodge, swim underwater, chew off a, a branch, swim back to the, the lodge because they can't chew and swallow underwater. They come back to the lodge and then eat. So they're doing that all winter. Well, as the young are growing and constantly getting bigger, the uh, thought process is the adults create a cabin environment where they can escape. <laughs> a man cave. So the bank lodge is, the bank lodge is their cabin. Is the cabin. Yeah. Huh. It's like a home away from home. Oh, that's funny. It's like a camper. Without wheels. No, is this a proven thing, or are we just guessing on this? Um, it's a proven thing. Okay. The The issue is what's going through the beaver's mind, if they even have one at all, and they're capable of any type of a thought. That's something about instinct yeah. comes yeah. into play. <laughs> so with that, they've got a, they'll have a series of bank lodges, oftentimes in close proximity to the lodge. So... <clears throat> If I 
get into an area where the beaver or where the landowner wants all the beaver killed. Let's say they want them all done. They're, they're, they were cute. Craig, they were cute in the beginning. They were really fun to commune with nature with in the beginning. But then, damn it, they eat all my trees. Fred the otter. 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 Fred must die. I wanted a humane death. It still needs to be a humane death, yeah. but he has to die. So with that, if they want them all killed, then I can pretty much approach <laughs> that whole lodge situation yeah. uh, by throwing traps everywhere. And the question is, is do how, how much skinning do I want to do the next night right. is what it comes down to. Do I want to kill them all yeah. or do I want to pace myself? Yeah, because depending on what kind of trap or what you're targeting, do you have to check so often? Um, if the that's a very good question. If the uh, trap and the way it's set, so it's, the law reads trap set. Okay. Okay, so you can take a a trap, and a a trap itself could either be lethal or non-lethal. But the way that it's secured and anchored could make a non-lethal trap lethal by drowning. Oh, so if a, if a foot trap is on a drowning cable going out to deep water, then they're going to give us a three-day check in Minnesota on that trap set because okay. it's lethal. Okay. If it's a coyote trap, there's really no way to make that lethal unless you are in close proximity to the water and put it on a drowner, which I know yeah. some guys do that. Hmm. So, But by and large, it's a 24-hour check because the animal is not able to be killed by the trap set. Oh, okay. All right, gotcha. So a conibear trap, yep. like a 220 conibear, which is uh, Frank Conibear in Canada is the one who made the first body gripping trap. And now there's many, many manufacturers doing the same thing. So we call them body grip traps. So if you take a 220 sized body grip trap and put it in a raccoon trail, that is now a three-day check trap set because it's going to kill the animal when they stick their head in it as they're walking down okay. the path. So if it's going to kill them, you got up to three days to check it because if it walks through, it dies. They just don't want it going to waste, basically. Um, it's it's improper animal husbandry to have a coyote in a foothold trap for more than 24 hours. Yeah, you know, I'm saying like the conibear, like the three-day thing. If it kills them, you get three days because the animal's dead. Yes, because but the animal's dead. But if it's dead. not going to kill them... They don't want to suffer. Yes. So you get 24 hours. Right. Okay. Basically, the coyote's going to die of dehydration. Right. And, yeah, it's not pretty. No. Don't want no, 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 no. So that's why we have the 24-hour check mm-hmm. and the 72-hour check. That's okay. That's the different – that's a very good question. Um, <clears throat> so then if I'm into a situation with this family group of beaver that the landowner is complaining about, oftentimes they'll say, you know what, we – we, we like the beaver. There's just too many of them. Can you control their numbers? And that, okay, that's all I need to hear. And then I explain to them, absolutely, here's how it works. I'll take my traps and I'll deploy them in the cabin areas, in those remote denning locations uh, with the bank dens, or a run where they're getting a food source a quarter of a mile away. Because typically the young ones aren't going to be traveling that far. They're mm-hmm. more homebodies. And so I can target the adults i can take the big ones and leave you the four little ones Mm -hmm. and oftentimes that's a viable solution 
for that particular homeowner. I suppose the little ones aren't doing quite as much damage. Well, the, the big thought one can do maybe the pro the thought process is, or they just like the little cute little ones. Is that the and I've heard this uh, from quite a few older trappers is that the um, younger beaver are the ones that are the most active with maintaining the dam. I can't prove that, but this is what I keep hearing over and over. And I, and I think keeping your spirit open and and listening to to especially the older trappers as they, mm -hmm. as they tell you things, you need to need to pay attention. So, <clears throat> I'm not aware of any extensive trail camera situations that can back that theory up with footage of a trail cam situation. But I've heard it. I've heard that over and over. That the little ones are doing all the work? That the little ones are doing all the work. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the big ones get lazy. Mm. Well. It stands to reason. I am 255, and all I do is sit here and talk to a microphone. So. Right. You know, at 57, I was spreading linoleum paste today, and and then I was done with that and had to go do a podcast show as a special guest. S special guest? Special guest. Craig Hilburn. So that's kind of how Beaver beaver works but typically when we get a call the people are pretty pissed yeah you know and they want them all dead they started they taking want them down all their, their favorite trees and, and i'm telling blocking them this and that right and i'm telling them hey you get that i think is it called tannerite where you can shoot it with a <laughs> rifle and it explodes yeah i'm telling them be careful with that if the dnr catches you in any way dismantling or destroying the beaver lodge uh -huh. they'll write you a ticket is that because animals could be in there we don't know why it is. We think it's some sort of, and again, the older crowd is telling me that we think it's some sort of um, throwback from the Indian lore and the uh, oh, time of the settlers. Don't and that blow it's, up a... <coughs> yeah. Hmm. And somehow it's still in, in, in place. Because to me, it doesn't make sense from a nuisance beaver control situation if... The county doesn't want beaver in an area. Then the DNR should allow the county worker to go in with the track hoe and pull the lodge out. You would think so, but that's against state law. And the only thing that means is it's now a ready-made dwelling for the next two-year-old beaver with the chewed-up tails because they just got kicked out of the nest because mm -hmm. mom and dad are pissed at them. Finally. Oh, so you can't even do it. Period. You can't destroy a <coughs> lodge or. We we can take a dam apart. You can take a dam apart because they don't live we, there. But we can't we can't destroy either a bank den or a lodge out in the water. Huh. In Minnesota. In Minnesota. Because I think they've blown them up on Duck Dynasty. I think they had an episode where they are blew they, uh, Ohio. I think there's are they boys from Alabama? No, they are from Louisiana. I thought. Yeah, kind of down that way somewhere. They think well, yeah. different. They think they're because see up here we got this Minnesota nice. I don't quite have Minnesota nice. You know, out, you know, but here's, it's weird. The it's older I strange. get, Minnesota, it's not Minnesota nice. No, no, we're not Minnesota nice. We are Minnesota passive aggressive. That's as, what I've heard too. As passive I almost said, yeah, Minnesota passive aggressive as blank. <laughs> so it starts with an F and ends with a K. Right. Because sure, we're all we're nice. Oh, and then you turn around and that mother. That's right. I hate that. At the potluck at church. Oh, the hey there. Are talking about How you. are you? I like that shirt. 
doesn't make you look fat at all. Right. Like, you know, oh, no, not at all. No, 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 no. Passive aggressive. Oh. You're not so, like the sixth or seventh person I've heard that from. God, it's so rampant in this state. <laughs> it is so rampant. Because I'm rampant. telling you, back in the Ozarks, if if a good old boy was not treating your sister right. You kicked his. You'd have had a blanket party. Three or four guys would jump him at the bar. Shouldn't have been at the bar anyway. Should have been home with his wife. Throw a blanket over him, tie it off, and take the beating on him with a <laughs> short piece of cane or a piece of garden hose. So, yeah. and then he doesn't know where the attack came from. He's jumped. No. And he just had the shit kicked out of him. And now he's going to become either A, a different man, yeah. and straighten his shit up, or he's going to retaliate. You're going to escalate the situation because she can't take it anymore. And he's she's and she's your sister, right? So that whole wait, am I following this story correctly? That whole who's sleeping with who and who's in right? The, who's see, under the blanket? It's all strange. Hmm. I don't know. And then what I just move up happened. here. Somebody's cousin is doing somebody's right. cousin. Right. I move up here and it's like a different. It took me a long time to get used to it up here, because hmm. domestic dispute situations are handled very differently in Minnesota as they oh, are okay. in the Ozarks. Oh yeah. Well, which is probably a good thing, but uh, yeah. there's something to be said for the old ways. <laughs> I suppose. Ways. <laughs> you know, because the old ways work. Oh, they work. I'm but, a changed man. But hey, uh, yeah. It's, right? It's the. Yeah, I, I but you know, I love no my matter. friends in the South, but sometimes I tell you what. But then they go like, I guarantee you they're saying the same thing about us. Oh, sure. Uh, them, pff, oh, man, sure. Them boys are crazy. Square heads, oh, yeah. round heads. I went, <laughs> so <laughs> I went down to Kentucky for tur- turkey hunting, right? Yeah. And uh, my buddy Jeff Ray and all that, whatnot. And I go down there and we go to the Walmart so I can buy a turkey tag. So going to Walmart, you know, he brings me in there and we're back there in the sporting goods section. Of course, he knows everybody in the damn store. <laughs> F- figure that one out. And there's this guy standing there. <laughs> and we're talking and this and that. And he goes, hey, where are you from, man? <laughs> and I go, Minnesota, Why? Man, you got a funny accent. And, I said, and he was a black guy. And I go, the black guy from Kentucky's telling the white guy from Minnesota that he's got the funny right. accent. <laughs> Everybody just damn near fell yeah. over laughing. And he was serious. Oh, well, it was it was hilarious. It was just funny. Uh, I mean it was and it was one of those things where you know, he's making fun of me. Yep. If we want to get political and all this whatnot yep. right now, black guy from Kentucky's make fun of, of making fun of a white guy from Minnesota right. and reverse. Can we all just get yep. along? Yep. I mean, yep. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you got a funny accent. <laughs> what? <laughs> me? I talk pretty much. I talk like the people on the news. Right. You? Right. You yep. talk like people that are on the news I heard that a, they're reporting on. I heard a study one time, The uh, back in the day, the Chinese, I think it was after World War II, uh, this study and figured out that the um, American dialect with all of the, the different accents, that Kansas City was the middle of the road. Oh, like the most even of ev- right. everybody? Of everything. Oh, really? <clears throat> I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. I've, I'm from Kansas City. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, doesn't add up to me. No. Like uh, I think – when I think of like the most non-accent accent – Florida, about, if if they're, if they're if they're not like Cuban or Puerto Rican, but how I mean, about like, Des Moines? Eh, the problem is you you're you're kind of in that country, and yeah. Like you know you kind of 
You're surrounded by cornfields. Cornfields and, you know, just kind of, you know, you get that southern kind of country accent kind of. Right. Or, you know. In Minnesota, like I listen to myself talking, I go, yeah, definitely got some Minnesota. Like it's very, it's very, very <laughs> slight, but there's definitely right. some things I say, I go, Ooh, that was definitely something very Minnesota. Right. I'm on a Facebook group called Squarehead Trappers. Square. <laughs> the Squarehead Trappers. Okay. Where'd that come from? Squarehead? Uh, they're saying the squareheads versus the roundheads. I think the roundheads is a term for Southern, the United States, and squarehead is a Northern. You know, have you ever heard that before? Never. Do we need to do more research on that? Yeah. I think we need to do a Google search on that. Okay. Ask Siri. Okay. I don't or have Alexa. Siri. Here. You tell it and I'll look it up. Go ahead and talk. I'll look it up here. Squareheads and versus. Uh, Squareheads versus roundheads. Square. And I don't know Wait, how it got there? started. I don't know what the history is. All I know is I'm on an awesome, awesome Facebook site for trappers called the Squarehead Trappers. And yeah, you can ask to be invited, but we may not let you in. Probably won't. I, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the camera. I have table tennis. Squareheads versus roundheads. Um, squarehead is the late, and this is not table tennis related. Squarehead is the late nineteenth century ethnic slur directed at German and Scandinavian immigrants. <gasps> Son of a, I'm somewhat German, probably. Uh, squareheads, blockheads, and other epithets. Scandinavian. Uh, this political belief of the roundheads and the cavaliers. Squarehead, blockheads. <laughs> Are you a roundhead or a cavalier? I don't know. I don't know. Everything was settled at Nashville where the Roundheads, highly trained new model army included uh, England, something. Roundheads were supporters of the Parliament of England during the English Civil War. Mm. Um, I think you should clipped head versus roundhead nailers. I've got both. (laughs) Now we've officially lost. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I prefer staples myself. Of course you would. (laughs) Um, So you should ask in the group, where did the square heads come from? Right. I'm going to figure that out. Yeah. Because I don't think it's the same thing that we're looking at. Because it's a northern United States group. Oh, okay. So they exclude... Uh, Flor- Flor- Floridians? No Floridians. No Florid- Flor- Floridians. No Florida Georgia line. Right. None of that. Okay. So I guess I fit right in, I guess. <laughs> kind of strange. <laughs> Do you fit in? I fit in somewhere. I don't I have think to you fit, fit in. in somewhere. But here's the, here's the thing. Here's why I like you, because you don't care. I don't care. I you truly don't care. don't care. You don't care. I'm the life of the party. I'm the guy. I'm the guy at the bar whipping his shirt off. Uh, over his head, standing up on the bar, buying rounds for the for the whole house, and at the end of the night, no money leaves my wallet. I'm that guy. Perfect. Yeah, I'm just that guy. Everybody, everybody wants to be around me, you know, for a little while, about five or six minutes. Well, at game like, fair, I hang out for about hell? twenty minutes, and then I leave, and then right. I come back for more, and then I leave, and then right. I come back. It's kind of an acquired taste. <laughs> Kind of an acquired thing. Why do you think I've been trying to get you on this podcast for like since the beginning of the damn thing? I'm like, I got to get Craig on. First of all, <laughs> it's a great subject. Trapping is fantastic. It's so different than I and mean, there's me. Yeah. And then the spokesman. You. Exactly. Did I tell much. you how I got to be dog catcher for Sherburn County? I don't think so. Rod Thompson died. 
So and Rod, a bunch of them got the together and said one? he was he was the previous dog catcher and the beaver boy. <laughs> beaver boy. So when they needed to have a beaver killed, <laughs> now on stage at the VU, they left beaver boy. <laughs> a message at the bar with directions on where to drive. So now, <laughs> since I'm the new beaver boy, oh, I take a photograph with my smartphone with a date and timestamp and do my billing uh, on a letterhead, letterhead bid w- uh, with a downloaded, uh, is it fa- fax modem? What? Uh, what's that who, term who with the fax is anything? Computer. Um, well, there's computer. Letterhead bid on a... A Word document. We oh, create okay. a Word document. I almost lost it there for a minute. I was wondering where the I hell got you were back. going with that. I'm like, But I got it back. What? So the previous dog catcher, Beaver Boy, okay. messages at the Jesus bar. The new, the new guy is in touch with the times or struggling He's to, trying to not be. get run over by the approaching bulldozer of modern times. That's what it is. Hey, you got Facebook and you know how to do it. You're all right. Yeah, but I can't. I can't you know how to send emojis and take a photograph in my inventory, my uh, ga- gallery. Yeah. I'm, I haven't figured out yet how to take a take a photo from my gallery and insert it in a thread uh, on Facebook, uh, already existing post. I can I can create a new post with that yeah. photograph, it's but I haven't figured out how to insert it where I specifically want it. What what kind of phone do you get? Galaxy, iPhone. Uh, it's Edge. I got a Samsung Galaxy okay. Edge 7. I'll, I'll, I think sh- I'll show you later. I'll right. show you how to do it later. Thank you. It's easy. Thank you. Thank you. It's easy. Yeah. I'm sure it is. You hit the plus sign, I think. I think that's how it is. Okay. Let me see. So you go to a post. Because quite often I would like Oops. to kick somebody's ass on Facebook with a proper <laughs> photograph in mid, mid-conversation, <laughs> and I don't know how to do it. Let's see. So then I end up creating so a new hit, post trying to kick their ass, and it doesn't yeah, make sense. A little, little camera should show up right there, right? Right here? Yeah. Yeah, you hit that. And then oh. your gallery shows up. And then you can actually change that it easy? to like your different. So if you have like, you know. It's like embarrassing. Different, you know, albums, you can pick from those albums. So you can have like, I'm going to, you know, smash this guy in Facebook album. And have <laughs> that one with all those pictures. That, you know, so there you go. Cool. I learned some. I try to learn one yeah, thing every day. Just hit the little camera. Well, Thank I, you. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm here for you. Well, I appreciate it. Somebody has to <clears throat> You Somebody came in, gave me an episode, and I, right. I showed you my beaver. <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> you did, and I keep looking at your beaver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's, so. You know, too bad this isn't a, like a – well, no, I think we're done with the live. Yeah, I think probably. we're done with the live version of it by now, probably, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, we're done with the live version of it for now. But uh, too bad <laughs> somebody comes in. I showed you my beaver. What? <laughs> Just shows so, up. So everybody, play this the, one. Play this one live right and loud, right about right there. I showed you right. my beaver. Yeah, I know. Right. I've been looking at it the whole time. Right. Yes. Yes. There's a actual. It's kind of in interesting. The beaver, the coloring that they are. You can't see them when they're in the trap as you're walking up on them in the water. This one, the only, and the trap's black and right. like a dark green. I paint. I paint. I do paint my conibears instead of uh, dying and waxing those. <clears throat> Dude, those teeth the are only crazy. The orange. only way I could see him yeah. under the water was his four teeth, and then I knew I had a beaver. Yeah. Well, his teeth are like really crazy orange. Yep. Yep. Are they all like that on beavers? Yep. They're all the same color. Hmm. Where does that come from? Just 
whatever. Just a no natural one, color. You know, it's the way it is. Hmm. So that's about a two and a half year old beaver, right? Uh, yeah, we you call it thinking? a two year old or two year old. Yep. I mean, yeah. yep, two year old beaver. Hmm. Young, young adult. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's a big beaver. Especially nice, when you get two or three at a time. You get it's a nice big beaver you got there. Right. You like that? Hey, yo. All right. Da-dum-bum. Ba-dum. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, I think since I got to take a piss. Oh, geez. Yeah, we're at two hours already. Do you have a quick outdoor recipe, like wild game recipe or anything yes. like that? Uh, with the, we'll finish on that. Um, with the beaver, it's important to... Our first beaver recipe. Only yes. First beaver recipe. It's it's important to, I believe, in my opinion, only butcher the young. Now, I can say that because um, I take multiple dozens per year, and so I can be selective. <clears throat> you also want to um, harvest the beaver in the fall of the year is the best. Otherwise, if like this beaver here, uh, I will... I caught him... Uh, here just recently so he's still fresh i will get him butchered tonight uh and it's going to be donated to the wild game feed for the uh, pheasants forever banquet down in saint paul nice on the 8th of may i believe it is i've done that every year for a few years but first of all i think it's important to uh, take the young of the year in the fall when they've been eating good food Otherwise, they're eating that stale, stagnant food from under the ice all winter long, and they don't taste as good come this time of year. Um, So fall beaver going into winter, first ice or through the ice. So you've only maybe a month into into that whole routine. So they've still got good food that they're eating. Um, And then as you uh, skin it, what we do is we cut off all four feet, cut the tail off, we skin it, peel the skin off, uh, cut the head off, um, take the castor glands, harvest those. There's money to mm-hmm. be made on the castor mm-hmm. glands. There's, everybody has to have vanilla ice cream. Yeah. And then we Natural gut flavor. the beaver and pull the entire guts out of the carcass. It's just real similar to gutting a deer. Okay. It's just smaller. So we pull all the guts out, and at that point then... I wrap it in a plastic bag, drop it in the freezer, and it's now ready for the chef to prepare for uh, for the meal. All too often, I think a lot of game feeds drown it in gravy and drown it in sauce, and that that's wrong. That's I don't think that's the right right approach. Um, what I do with all my beaver is I take them to a noka meat and sausage, and I have uh, they mix it with pork. And through the grinder, run it through a couple of times, and then they turn it into uh, nice-sized sausage links that can be cut and put on sandwich material, or you can cut it up uh, with the uh, eggs in the morning for breakfast. And then also they've they've come up with that new uh, jerky stick, where it's a, the smaller diameter mm. uh, sausage stick. Those are real popular. We hand them out at game fair, mm-hmm. and now we've done that l- enough times that guys show up in the booth, hey, is this where I get my yeah, complimentary yeah. Well, the one year you had a, a whole summer sausage, you were cutting out pieces. Right. It's right. beaver's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, of course, it's mixed with pork, so it dulls the flavor down. Right. So I tell all my Jewish friends, hey, be careful. <laughs> it's mixed with pork and pork is unclean. Yeah. It's like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. So is beaver. Okay, yeah, well, exactly. got me there. <laughs> I just try to be sensitive to 
Right, everybody. right, right, right. No, Beaver wasn't. It wasn't bad. I mean, right. it, it was a little more, it, it a little greasier, maybe, or a little greasier. Was, but it wasn't. It wasn't. But it's got a nice means. sweet, sweet yeah. flavor to it. Yeah, yeah. surprise. It's different. Right. Fair so I apologize that I don't have a recipe to share this, with everyone. Well, that's how you like it prepared. We'll take because that. Yeah. I'm limited on my time. I've got my floor covering business that's keeping keeps me busy, yeah. and then I'm busy with the nuisance control animals catching basically it comes down to the beaver i don't do bats and squirrels and all that nonsense i let leave that to the professionals who are not going to fall off ladders i've got nothing but total respect for that whole routine it's, yeah. not, it's not my forte i'm a beaver boy once in a while i'll take care of a, a, a raccoon or a, maybe a skunk under the shed or something for a friend something yeah. like that uh, but then uh, uh so i'm busy with with all the, and plus we're, uh, Patty and I are now grandparents for the, we've got two grandkids. So I'm pretty busy with all that. So I don't have time to do much more than of anything yeah. other than to always continually be preparing for the next trapping season. Yeah. It all comes down to getting ready for the next season. So I like handing off my beaver carcasses to the professionals and let them, let them work their magic. Nice. Yeah, that works. Yeah. But I've heard that guys are cutting them up and uh, basically deboning and then a crock pot situation uh-huh. with a different veg. If think pot roast yeah. and then just substitute the beaver meat for for that. Guys are also uh, adding it to chili. Mm. Uh, grilling, uh, I think slicing up the like small pieces of steak and then browning that in the skillet and then adding the browned meat to the the chili mix. I'm I'm hearing that. That sounds pretty good. Um, I mean, it's other, protein. It's meat. It just right. tastes different. And there's people that will kill that thing, take all the fur off, cut a chunk out, throw it on the grill, boom, 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 salt, pepper, and eat it. Mm-hmm. And eat why it. is that? Because they're used to it. Mm-hmm. It's you'll get used to it over right. time. So right, you know. I personally not gross. I personally it, haven't done it yet. Yeah, I probably will. Well, might as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll try. I'll try darn near anything once. Right. There's only a couple things that I won't try, and I'm not well, gonna say what they are because then people are like, "Well, we're gonna mess with him." Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Well, at the uh, Trappers Convention last summer, I had the opportunity to try smoked coyote. Is it good? Guys were saying it was good. I didn't particularly like it because I could smell coyote. All I could smell was coyote. Yeah. And I've spent enough of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Back on the prairie with, with grandpa. Now, was it he ran was it bad, dogs. I should say? Was it bad? Um, it was strong. Okay. And, and, and two, it was the idea. Yeah. Now, Somebody gave it to you and didn't tell you what it was. Yeah. And shame on them. You'd probably be okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I'd still smell it. And I'd call them on it. Oh. I, I mean, it smelled like coyote. Yeah, okay. It was unbelievable. The problem, problem is I know what coyote smells like too now, so. Right. Damn it. Really strong. So to me, my and this is my own personal personal op- opinion, I'll eat wild game if it's a herbivore or a vegetarian. I don't personally want to eat a carnivore. Have you had bear? I have not had bear, but, okay. a, but a bear is an omnivore. So I'll well, I suppose, stretch yeah. it. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. So I'll stretch it, and I'll consider, I'll consider eating a bear, and I'll consider eating a possum, and I'll consider eating a raccoon because those are all three omnivores. That's right. But I'm not going to try otter because I've scunned too many of them, and they've got the worms underneath the skin oh, on, okay. in their muscle right. tissue, 
long, stringy worms. Oh. It's totally unappetizing. Okay, good to know. And it's like every one of them is around the hind oh, legs. Really? It's weird. Hmm. So some sort of a parasite eel, which I'm sure you cook it, cook it enough, and you probably wouldn't even taste it, right? Yeah. But if I know it's there, I'm not eating it. See, <laughs> if I if I open right. one of them things up and see it, nope, I'm not eating it. Right. I'll give it some. Yeah. So and, and come take it. So again, I, I don't want to knock anybody for their per, <coughs> their their personal preferences. Yeah. But I don't. I I just don't want to eat a carnivore. If you get a chance to try mountain lion, mm. do it. I've I have not had good. it. I've heard it's, it's good. pork. They say it just tastes like pork. Isn't that something? So mm. I haven't. I I desperately want to try. Right. Like it. And uh, I because I love pork. I had pork for dinner tonight. Right. Love pork. So right. a big. Yeah. And I and I think too a cat filled full of pork. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Dude, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> right. And I think uh, I think too it comes down to are you going to make a meal of it uh, day in a day out or or weekly. Yeah, meat, like yeah, like yeah. Uh, yeah. meatloaf Tuesday, or yeah. is it a novelty that yeah. you're going to try like once gator. in a while? That's been yeah. really well propelled. Yeah. Uh, gator, gator's good. That's a that's a carnivore, right? right. That's good. I've had right. that. That is good, right? So, try that too if you haven't. Right. I I might. I might. Is try there going to be a go to the fair? Try it at the fair. Yeah. Is there going to be a, a couple different ways? A game fair place where we can try. Probably not. I, well, the only place I know that serves alligator is the state fair and that right. gator booth, which is kind of sort of gator. Can I get that on a stick? Yeah, you can. Good. Consider 12 different that. ways. Right. Yes. So with that. All right, sir. I appreciate I, I appreciate it. And I have a feeling, we, yeah, we definitely need to do this again because you just got started and we're. I do have more stories. Two hours. So. But God, I got to take a piss. Yes, we're going to let you take a pee. All right, All sir. Right. Let's get out of here. Thank you, everybody. And. I'm going to come up with a name for the beaver before we leave, I think. so. Maxine. Maxine. Is it a girl? Or do you not know? You can only sex them through the skinning process. Oh. Well, tell, me, base, what, tell me what the, what, it, what it is when you find out, and we'll name her. I don't see any nipples. So I think Oh, I think it's got to be a, gotta be a guy. But I got nipples, too. I got nipples. So, <laughs> All know, right. That, just a minute, let me check. Oh, gee, okay. We're yeah, done. Still We're there. done. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the episode. Um... I'm just glad Craig kept his shirt on anyway. <laughs> Jesus. We didn't name her by then, or did we? I can't remember. Anyway, um, I apologize for not actually doing any video of it um, during the podcast in the video section there, but it just is what it is. I did take some pictures, which I think are on Instagram or Facebook page, Smackdown Outdoors on Instagram. If you're not uh, already checking us out on Instagram, do so. Just look up Smackdown Outdoors uh, podcast. We're on there. And, you know, we try to put up some cool stuff there. We do share a lot of it straight to Facebook, too. So as long as you're liking that Facebook page, you'll see most of it. There are some things I don't put on Facebook. Um, but, yeah, so that was a pretty pretty good episode. Like I said, I've known him for a little while. So that was definitely an easy, easy podcast to do. And uh, he's just a good guy with a ton of information about trapping. If you want to get into trapping, Get a hold of them, Craig Hilburn or the Minnesota Trappers Association. They can send you in the right direction. If you want to uh, check him out and uh, meet him in person, he'll be at Game Fair in August with uh, with a couple other people. And they got all sorts of cool furs and stuff. And they, they bring traps with. So you can check out the traps. He can teach you a little bit how to set the traps and, and whatnot too. So... All right. Well, with that being said, everybody, I'm going to let you go. And on next week's episode, we've got, can't remember who we've got next week. But anyway, we'll have another one next week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that. All right, everybody. Well, shoot straight, catch a big one, and we'll see you later.